You are listening to Godly MBM Marketing Beyond Ambition Podcast, Episode 015. Welcome to the Godly MBA Marketing Beyond Ambition. This is the only podcast that will share and teach actionable and biblical marketing strategies to empower you, the value-based business owners and Christian entrepreneurs. Learn to communicate your message effectively in this noisy world so you can finally earn more, serve more, and give more. Now, here is your host, Kelly Botter. Hello, Kelly Botter here. Welcome to Godly MBA Podcast. Today, we are going to talk about a topic which many of us have this complex love and hate relationship with it. Money. As many of us passionate entrepreneurs started out our business with zeal, with dreams to build a business with love to not only fulfill our personal dreams, but also envision that by doing so, in the process, we can help others too. And well, not many of us are in love with Excel sheets and numbers. I would raise my hand in a heartbeat. I'm guilty of it. However, we all know without proper money management for our business, we just have a very expensive hobby. That's why I'm so thrilled to be able to interview our guest today. Not only he is a financial expert, which is a given, but also, as a Christian brother, his biblical perspective is very empowering for us as Christian entrepreneurs. In this episode, we will chat about some key points such as the number one financial mistake of business owners and how easily that we can fix it to avoid a world of pain. Also, the specific key financial elements to consider before you start a business or side hustle. Well, what happens if you already start your business? No worry. We also talk about how and when to fix your current finance hiccups from the past mistakes in a non-judgmental way. Plus, why the core of selfless motive is the key to succeed in business in today's day and age for both for you as a business owner and the culture for your company. Here is his bio. Pete Matthew It's a chartered financial planner and managing director of Jackson's Wealth Management in Penzance, UK. He is also the creator of Meaningful Money, an award-winning website and podcast dedicated to educating ordinary people just like you and me about how money works. He's married to Joanne and they have two teenage daughters. So he spends most of his spare time acting as taxi service. Well, I can relate that too. <laughs> Are you excited? I am. Now, let's check with Pete. 
Pete is so honored that you are here with me on my show. Great to be here, Kelly. Thank you so much for having me. It's uh, exciting to be uh, speaking to you across the interwebs. Isn't it great? Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I know you, but, you know, many listeners, they don't know you. So can you share with us a little bit about where you're from? And, uh, you know, I mean, you guys already hear his lovely accent. And, (laughs) (laughs) And the background story that how you became this award winning podcasters and financial planning expert. Yeah, it's a long and tortuous story, so I shall uh, give you the short version. I'm from uh, Bradford in the north of England uh, originally, but I now live in Cornwall, the very far southwest, because I married a Cornish girl. So I live very close to the seaside, very beautiful part of the world uh, to live in. I became a financial planner, which is what I do for a living. That's my full-time job. Nobody sort of leave school at 18 saying, you know what, I really want to become a financial planner. Most people in my industry end up here by accident rather than by design. I actually did an electronics degree and hated it. So I only did two years. I just couldn't bear a third year. I'd failed my second year anyway. And by that time, I'd met my then girlfriend and wanted to marry her. So I went into management for McDonald's. Now, uh, that's fine, but uh, McDonald's is not a very conducive place to work if you're newly married because my wife was a nurse, also on shifts, and we never saw each other. So pretty soon something had to change. And so I uh, had a friend who was in personal finance in the financial advice industry, and he got me a job, basically. And that's now, gosh, 19 years ago. And um, yeah, I know. I don't look that old. (laughs) I do, really. I Um, (laughs) (laughs) I definitely do. The headphones hide the gray hairs. Um, so, you know, I love what I do. It's unfortunate in that I get to work with fantastic people. Financial planning is not about selling people pensions and savings and investments and things. It's about organizing what they already have and optimizing it because money is never an end in itself. It's there to help people do what they want to do with their lives, either give money to charities or to their church or to their children or to spend it, having a great life. Nothing wrong with any of that. So my job is great because I get to help people live their dreams really by taking the financial worry off them and just sort of organizing it so that that's optimized. But Back in 2009, I sort of came to a realization that I wasn't going to be entirely satisfied with just doing that. Much as I enjoy my job, I wanted to leave a greater legacy than just having helped some rich people get richer, really. I also at the same time had several people in different scenarios of life tell me that I was good at explaining things. And that, you know, that started to sink in. When people tell you things repeatedly, it started to sink in. So be that at work or at church or around the dinner table with my kids, you explain things and and people just started to tell me that I was good at doing that. And so that began to sink in. And then I read a book called Crush It by Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an online hero of mine. His point was that the point of that book was that the tools are now available to get your message out to the world very cheaply or for free and people will show up and listen if it's a relevant and b if you're good at it so i just thought i would have a go and my message was to get out there that 
we, if you engage with your money, it can actually be very liberating. It's not complicated. It's not difficult. Getting a few things right will set you on a firm financial foundation for the future. So I've spent the last six years uh, doing that, done 300 videos, 164 podcast episodes, and uh, I absolutely love it. And yes, fortunate to win UK Podcaster of the Year last year. And uh, it's great. I love it. And I love the feedback that I get from it because it's wonderful to make a small difference in the world and into people's lives. So that's the story. I also, I, I'm married and I have two beautiful daughters, aged 16 and 13. Oh, so, so. we are in a similar boat. Uh -huh. my, my is 17 and 14. Mm -hmm. Yeah, scary time, particularly with girls. <laughs> <laughs> particularly as a daddy with girls, I think. I know, I know. Well, we have, a, we, yeah, my daughter is 17 and my, my husband had the same thought. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh. So Pete, what are the common mistakes you, you have seen? Right, that a business owner and or solo entrepreneurs make when they start their business. There's lots. The, the two that immediately spring to mind, and they're very easy to see in retrospect, in hindsight. You know, it's easy for us to look back with 2020 hindsight and say, well, I wish I'd done that at the start. Uh, and I confess to being guilty of these myself. Okay, so this is not an indictment or a judgment on anybody. Already but, feel us much better. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, I'm, not, I'm not here to police anybody or anything. Um, I think the first thing, certainly from a financial point of view, which is obviously my uh, field, the biggest mistake is people not organizing their finances correctly from day one. Certainly here in the UK, and I know this is an international podcast, Kelly, so it, you know, it's, um, it's really important that you separate business finances from personal ones. And I see far too often people who set up businesses a year ago who are still using their personal bank account and trying to keep records. And it's something as simple as open up a separate bank account for the business. It's such an obvious thing to do. And yet they don't. And they just kind of let it run and think, I must sort that out one day. So organizing your finances correctly from day one can save you a world of pain down the line. But it's something that so few people do. So that's a very obvious practical thing. But I think sort of slightly larger scale than that, I think a lot of people don't start with any kind of plan or I, I want to say start with the end in mind, which I believe is one of Stephen Covey's seven habits of um, highly effective people, something like that. Is it begin with the end in mind or something like that? Yeah. But anyway, it's, it's a good sort of tenet for life. So if you are planning to do something, you're planning a business and having some sort of sense of how that will look in five, 10, 20 years time, or at least how you would like it to look, can help you set things up correctly uh, from day one. So even if you're a solopreneur now, if you think, well, two years down the line, I'd like to have a couple of assistants, then you can begin putting things in place for that day, rather than thinking, gosh, now I really need an assistant and now I've got to do everything to prepare for that. So it's beginning with the end in mind or at the very least having something of a vision for two or three years down the line and beginning to move towards that right from day one. The issue is, and I'm absolutely guilty of this as I said, is that, I mean, with Meaningful Money, it's kind of a business. It does have an income uh, because uh, the podcast is sponsored and things like that, but I'm not going to retire on it anytime soon. My day job is uh, my financial planning practice. But with Meaningful Money, I just thought I'd have a go. And I think that's how a lot of businesses start and how a lot of solopreneurs get going. So if that's your sort of sense, well, I just I'll have a go and if it works, it works. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. Then, you know, you're not going to sit down and say, right, I have a three, five, 10 year plan. 
But it ought to become fairly clear fairly quickly that actually this might be a goer and this might turn into something. And that's the point at which you need to say, right, I'm going to take a week out or two days out and say, what do I need to put in place now to sort of fully uh, equip myself for what is needed uh, going forward? Not an easy process. And like I say, I'm I'm, uh, certainly not intending to judge anybody, but it's really uh, important, I think, to try and start with the end in mind. Yeah, even not just say three, five, ten years, I think even uh, just say if somebody just getting started, maybe they just say, okay, what do I want my business to look like in a year, Mm. right? And uh, I know it's kind of easy. I know myself included is guilty. It's like sometimes when you just get started, you will feel like, well, I just want to get the clients in. I just want to make money. But I have learned the hard way. And I think launching this podcast included that it come to a point that, you know, you realize, of course, my case is I did not start these things, you know, three, five years ago. I started about seven, eight years ago. So... So I do have a luxury, so to speak, say, okay, I'm going to launch a podcast. Therefore, then how it look like the process wise, uh, the help I need and financial wise as well. So have that common mistake we mentioned about what would you say some key things maybe we need to pay attention to when you specific one, like when we come to the financial planning for some startup or, or build up like an entrepreneur already, not just starting up, they already in their business a couple of years. What we, you know, some key points that we need to pay attention to. Uh, well, strictly from the financial perspective, uh, we've already mentioned keeping business finances separate from personal ones and resisting the temptation to dip into one to fund the other. Okay, If a business is viable, it ought to be able to support itself fairly quickly. It depends on the business, of course. But who we're largely talking to here, you know, startups, small business owners, solopreneurs, things like that, it ought to be able to make money fairly quickly. Uh, We're probably not talking primarily to people who are looking for funding and looking to give away half their equity in return for three million pound funding round, uh, three million dollars or whatever. So that's probably not what we're talking about here. So for side hustle businesses or even, you know, so I'm going to leave my job and try to do this thing full time. It needs to be financially viable as early as possible. Even if you have to put some of your own money in to start it, that's fine. But make sure that that's, that it's making money. Really, business is all about profit. It's not about fancy website. It's not about the size of your mailing list. It's about making money fundamentally. Otherwise, it's not a business. It's a hobby. So I think that distinction is fairly important, but it's sometimes uh, forgotten. Just so having things organized makes sense. It depends where you are in the world. But if you have employees, obviously, there are various um, responsibilities you have as employer as well. The fortunate thing these days is that we're in the world of virtual assistants. So depending on your business, you may be able to deal with all that virtually. But, you know, if you have physical employees in a physical space, you've got all sorts of things you need to be aware of because you will have obligations to them. Uh, Here in the UK, we've... um, we're in the sort of phasing in period of every single employer in the country having to provide a pension scheme, a retirement savings scheme for their uh, staff, which is a huge burden on a lot of small businesses. So 
you know, that takes planning for. So the second thing I think, if anything, you need to do is to be prepared for surprises like that because legislation can change, the markets can change. We're just coming off the back of the um, the referendum vote for the UK to come out of the EU. I've already spoken to two people where they have had, two business owners, where deals have either not come off or have changed materially because of the outcome of that vote. And all the clever money was that we would vote to stay in. And so it was a shock. It was a surprise. But if you have a buffer, some kind of space between you and disaster, then, uh, you know, that will uh, be a huge help. Try not to run it all the way down to the bottom. Don't let your finances get so uh, sick that one nasty shock will be uh, the end, you know. So careful financial management. It's easy to say, not so easy to do, believe me. So it's really important to get your finances from day one. One thing that I think is very important to me and which I gave um, a keynote speech to speech about this recently in the uh, Content Marketing Academy, uh, which I know you're um, a member of. I think motivation matters in business. Explain to us. This is the godly MBA, right? Yeah, yeah. So no matter what your faith position, some faith or none, motivation, I believe, matters. So let me tell you what I mean by that. I never began Meaningful Money with the intention of it providing me with new clients to my practice. Bear in mind, they're totally separate, separate website and everything. So I I have a bricks and mortar financial planning business here in Cornwall, and I have a website and a podcast, totally separate things. Now, I never began Meaningful Money with the intention of driving business to my practice. It turns out that's what happened. My motivation was to try and help people, to get enough information out there that people could make good financial decisions and thereby improve their life. So I believe very strongly that had I set out to build meaningful money to be just a lead producing engine, that it wouldn't have achieved the success that it has. So. I think motivation matters. I don't think there's anything wrong for most people to say, right, I'm going to start a podcast to drive more people to my business. That's fine. But I believe we live very much in the time now of providing selfless value, giving away knowledge for free. I get asked all the time by financial advisors, you know, why do you give so much information away? You know, why would people pay you? If you're giving it all away for free, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, you don't get it if you ask that question. But so motivation matters. But you know what? God, the universe, however you want to put it, if you give selflessly and do that from day one, I believe that you are rewarded for doing that. And I'm living proof that that's the case. I know that there are financial advisors up and down the country here in the UK, not many who put all their efforts into marketing and it's all about getting more clients. They are moderately successful. Uh, but I know that there's nobody else in the country who gets more inquiries from their online resource than I do because it's all about giving information. I can't, I field countless emails and respond to them answering people's questions when I'm getting nothing for that. But I'm convinced that that will come back to me in spades. You know, I, I believe, obviously I share your faith, Kelly. So it's, I believe very strongly that, um, you know, God is looking out for me and I'm being rewarded in a sense for the work that I'm doing. But whatever your belief system, it's about giving, being selfless, offering over the top value. And I believe that your results will be amplified as a result of doing that. So getting motivation right from outset, I think is, um, is really, really important. And 
let that be part of your culture. Now, if it's just you, right? If you are a solopreneur, then that you are the culture. I'm managing director of a practice here. I have, there are 14 of us here. So again, this is not my website. This is my brick and mortar business. And every single week we have, a, you know, clients coming through the door here. And every single week we'll have somebody comment about how good it feels. It's very touchy feely, that very intangible. It just feels like a nice place to work. It feels like there's really sort of uh, focused intensity, but lightheartedness. These are all words that people have said to us. And I'm convinced that that's because that's the culture we have intentionally tried to build here. So it's a great place to work. We have fun, you know, we don't take ourselves too seriously. We're not too stuffy in terms of ties and stuff like that. But getting culture right from the start, and again, this is a little bit like going back to what we said about starting with the end in mind. If you can have a sense of what you would want your culture to be, you can start building that from day one, even when it's just you. There's loads of ways you can do that, uh, from the voice that you use in your written communications to the physical uh, building, if you have one, to the, the way your website looks. There's, um, I'll give you a really good example, actually, of a, a firm, which is a small little consultancy here in the UK, and they consult to financial services businesses. And they're called the Lang Cat. I'll send you a link so, because it'll, it's a good example. You know, it's a very niche little business, but their culture and their sense of humor pervades everything that they do. And I think that's a great example. But the way you look after your staff, the way you review them, the way you uh, reward them for the work that they do, the feelings that your clients get as they come into the building, if that's relevant, or when they visit your website and leave, all that sort of stuff is so important. And it comes from you the owner, the leader of the business. And it's important to be intentional about that, I think. The fourth thing that, um, so we talked about getting finances right from day one, talked a little bit about uh, motivation and how if your motivation is right, then your results will be amplified, I believe. Talked a little bit about company culture and how it begins with you, important to get that right. And then it might seem obvious, but I think it's more and more important these days, essential even to do what you and I are doing, Kelly, which is to get our message out online. Right? Exactly. I'm not here to say that the old ways of marketing are now not relevant. You know, I think uh, some of them still are, and it depends massively on your business. So maybe you should still take out newspaper ads or, you know, uh, sponsor your local cricket team or whatever. Those are not dead and gone. But, you know, you and I can do this for next to no cost, really, and reach thousands of people. What an incredible, powerful opportunity we have. And yet, Again, I speak to financial advisors up and down the country and they just don't get it, you know. And I say to them, look, if 20 years ago I'd have said to you, you can fill a reasonable sized sports stadium every week with people who are showing up to listen to your message and you can do that for free, why would you not do that? And they're like, oh, yeah. And, it, and yeah, that's what we do. I average about 6,000 downloads a week. And so that's a decent size audience, you know? Exactly. People listening to what I've got to say and how powerful is that? And it doesn't cost me anything to speak of. Um, written blogs, video, Facebook Live now, an infinite number of opportunities, ways of getting your message out. And I think any business now that wants to build 
needs to get the culture right, uh, needs to give selflessly. And the best and most powerful way they can give is by providing information. Some great examples of that in the uh, Content Marketing Academy community, actually. One company, she sells sheds and garden buildings, and yet she's built an amazing business. A lady uh, over in uh, Ireland who has a dog walking business and has built it to be a multiple six-figure business based on blogs. It's amazing what's possible. And any business starting out now ought to get this stuff built in to the business as soon as possible, I think. Yeah, I totally agree, Pete. I'm just glad that you, you mentioned all the above. You know, uh, when you come to talking about, you say, motivation, I think, you know, I, this is the difference between UK and US, I think. I think US, they will say motive. Yes. So, yeah. so for me personally, yeah, you know, the mon- monetary result actually almost always is a byproduct right. Right, of the original intent, which is nothing to do with money. I literally just have uh, uh, one of my clients last night asked me, Kelly, you can, obviously you can make money uh, through many other ways. What on earth you want to get into this podcast world? It's a lot mm-hmm. of work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, yes, it's a lot of work. But uh, first of all, God says so, so I do it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea what this going to turn out because it seems my life is always doing the things that people say you shouldn't do it. But God <laughs> said you do it. Mm-hmm. The second thing is uh, about the culture. You know, uh, this is the first time for me uh, after all these years at business, I have a little team now. I have a web designer and developer. I have a VA and I have a, a audio editor, right? Uh-huh. And, and because I am conscious about the culture things, so I have been open my eyes and observe who should I hired. And from the very beginning, when I communicate with them, tell them what is the mission for the podcast and mm-hmm. what is the down the road what I'm looking for and then the process I, I gave them so they feel about it. Uh, yeah, for sure. Yes. They become not just sort of employees then, they, they become sort of partners in the mission, don't they? Right, right. Because they all, you know, in general, people always want to be kind of be part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. Uh, so if we can communicate that, generally it's easier to build a, a dream team as my mentor, John C. Maxwell, say. He always say the dream team do the dream work. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So, Pete, you sound so perfect, right? No, far from it. <laughs> <laughs> so Learned, okay, learned if, by lots of mistakes, Kelly. I, I want to I dig into your uh, fun story. But before that, actually, there's a question God really put in my heart to, to ask on behalf of, I think, a lot of listeners listening right now. It's all good and dandy that, yeah, if I can get my finance planning from a day one for my business. What if for those of us that we already in the business for a while, but because maybe past mistakes or anything, that I now, I found myself not in the right foot, not in the good place. What can we do to get back to the right track? It's an excellent question. And uh, the first thing to say is that there is no judgment at all right in that and it's never ever too late to put things on the right track so yeah you might be five years into your entrepreneurial journey and the finances are a little bit of a mess nothing is not 
fixable with a little bit of effort and intention on your behalf. So it might just be a case of saying, right, I'm going to take a couple of days. I know I need to address the finances. I'm going to take a couple of days. I'm not going to answer the phone. I'm not going to deal with any email. I'm going to put my out of office on and I'm just going to deal with it and say, right, I'm going to go into the bank, open a business account. I'm going to check all my regular payments going out and shift them to the business account. I'm going to start using something like Zero or free agent, uh, sort of an, uh, an accountancy app. So, and I'm going to be deliberate about logging my receipts and doing all the sort of financial stuff, the good accounting stuff. And I'm going to do it from now. It's the old proverb, isn't it? When's the best time to plant an oak tree 150 years ago? When's the second best time to plant an oak tree right now? Right. And it, it rings so true that. So forget the past, right? That's done. And nothing is insurmountable. Nothing is not fixable. So just say, right, from here on, I will go forward. From here on, I will run my business according to my beliefs and I will build a culture that I would want to be a part of myself. Um, from now on, I am going to put my clients' needs first and I'm going to deliver over and above what I can do just to get in more business. I'm going to bless people with my business and watch it come back to you in spades. And I'm going to say, right, I've not done any kind of proper marketing or anything. I've been very half-hearted with my website. I'm going to take it seriously. All these things are fixable. Just decide to do it from now on and get help if you need to. You mentioned VA yourself. You know, again, we live in an amazing time where there are people with these skills all around the planet who are only a couple of clicks away. Uh, you don't have to suffer in silence. I would also encourage people to get some accountability. So I'm in a mastermind. Uh, so every fortnight I get together with three other guys. We do it via Google Hangout. They're all around the UK. And uh, we hold each other to account on the things that we've said we're going to achieve. And if we haven't achieved them, it's a sort of gentle, well, you know, why not? What could you have done different? Will you get it done by next time? And, you know, we hold each other to account. And uh, I think that's really important as well. So having some kind of external input will really help you and just help you keep on track for sure. So please don't feel guilty. Don't feel judged. Don't feel overwhelmed. Draw a line in the sand and say, right, from today, I am going to move forward and do things right from now on and get some help to help you stay on the track. Uh, it's really important. And we're surely going to put uh, a piece website and link everything. So just go ahead, call him up or, or email yeah. him. He's going to blame me afterwards. He has uh, hundreds of emails <laughs> in the inbox. No, that's fine. More than happy to help. <laughs> <laughs> so Pete, what, any funny story or any uh, or even embarrassing moment happen <laughs> in, in your entrepreneurial journey? Oh, gosh. Too many. A couple of funny ones. No, well, yeah. <laughs> I had one funny one. I began uh, in my personal finance uh, journey doing something called industrial branch insurance. Back in the day when a lot of people didn't have bank accounts, the insurance companies would send an agent round once every four weeks and collect a life assurance premium or oh, wow. a savings plan. That's how it used to be here in the UK. And that was still happening until about 15 years ago. And so when I started in this job, that was the job I had. So I had an area of the town near where I lived and I would call on the same people every four weeks and collect their premiums right in their book. And, you know, they had, that was how they did life assurance. And this is in the Welsh valleys, the valleys of South Wales, which are traditionally a mining community. And uh, part of that job was also to sell new policies, right? And uh, sometimes there were health questions. So I was there with my boss, okay? I was very new <laughs> and I was there with my boss. I feel something he, funny is coming. 
Oh, gosh. Well, I, I shouldn't laugh, really. But he was asking the health questions. And I was sat across the room from him. And the, the young girl, girl in her early 20s, was answering these questions. And my boss said, oh, any medical conditions to mention? And the dad of this girl said, oh, you need to tell him about your, uh, your... And he sort of prompted her. And she said, yes, I have inflammable bowel syndrome. Now, the correct term is irritable. But, of course, I just had this mental picture of this <laughs> girl exploding. So I shouldn't laugh, really. Inflammable. <laughs> but it was one of those moments where you can't laugh, but all you want to do is laugh. But anyway, but... The other story, the one that I thought about when you primed me for this question was, um, you know, talking about delivering your message online and things right, like that. Right. I am a natural introvert. That might not seem obvious to you here, but it, so I can, I can talk on a microphone in front of a camera or even in front of a crowd. It's not that kind of introversion. I'm not naturally a person who would just go into a group of people I don't know and introduce myself and begin talking. I find that quite difficult. But um, like most people, I go to industry conferences. And so back in sort of 2009, I went to uh, the, one of the major industry conferences here in the UK for financial planners. And uh, I thought, you know, I need, to, I need to get over this. I need to sort of put myself out there. So I went and introduced myself to the CEO of the Institute of Financial Planning, lovely guy called Nick. Introduced myself. We chatted for a couple of minutes, said our goodbyes. And I'm sure he absolutely forgot about me from that point because he's a busy man. It was his conference, essentially. Now, between that time in 2009 and the same conference the following year in 2010, I had become active on Twitter, uh -huh. right? And Nick was very active. And at that time, there weren't many of us, maybe 50 or 70 advisors in the country who were active on Twitter. So I got to know Nick virtually, right? And so the following year, I walk into that same conference filled with the same kind of trepidation, thinking, right, I've got to introduce myself. And suddenly, Nick, I hear a voice, Pete, Pete, how are you doing? And he hailed me across this room full of advisors, marched across, shook my hand, how are you doing? How are the kids? And all that. And we felt like we knew each other. And that happened lots of other times with other advisors in that meeting who I'd never met in person, but we got to know each other online. So I just think it's a great world. For those of us who might not be natural socialites, we can now get to know people virtually. And um, yeah, what a powerful thing that is. So that was just something which has stuck with me me because technology sort of assisted me there, which was wonderful. So, um, yeah, so, you know, dive in and get chatting and all the rest of the stuff that we all do now. And uh, uh, it can do good things for you. It can open doors for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think that happened to me this time a little bit in New Media Europe as well. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I attended last year in Manchester and I start to know people and then I kept the connection online virtually. And I guess nowadays with the video, you know, I always say it must be because of my Chinese face. Because <laughs> I walk into the room this time, suddenly you have like a 10 people or so. Kelly, how are you doing? Yeah. yeah, right. And then I was about to pick up my name badge. And so the volunteer in the, in the desk tried to find where is my, my name badge. And then suddenly all the people say, there, there, it's there. <laughs> and, then, and then he said, who are you? Why yeah. everybody knows you? <laughs> yeah, once known, never forgotten, Kelly. That's why. Pete, you know, it's so precious that actually we got to know each other, obviously because we share the same faith. And it's so uh, precious that uh, we connected that way. So what is your one specific godly MBA moment? You know, that the moment you know, you realize that your business is way beyond just a business. Yeah. Uh, this was 
probably the pivotal moment in my career, certainly in doing things online like I have been doing for six years. I began doing videos in 2000 and yeah, early 2010. My website went live, well, six years ago almost to the day and I began doing videos and I did three videos a week for like 18 months. You know, I did a awful lot of work, didn't get a thing back, some nice emails, you know, quite a few views but not you know not viral territory at all and then one day I had an email completely out of the blue and this email was very long and it was from a couple who live in the southeast of the UK 400 miles from where I am and they told this story about how they had recently inherited some money they had been referred to a local financial advisor and they had basically narrowly escaped without being ripped off by this guy. Wow. Um, they wised up right at the last minute, didn't sign anything, but they felt as if they'd very narrowly escaped and they were concerned. They were feeling very, very wary. Okay. Now, this guy is a bit of an internet entrepreneur himself. And so he turned to Google and you know, he found me. Well, uh, you know, assume that that was uh, God-given. He found me and he sent me this email and they give me their entire financial situation, which you don't do in email. You know, it's not secure. Um, <laughs> okay, great so long email <laughs> telling me the story of how they'd narrowly been ripped off and their current situation and what they wanted to do. And at the end of that email, it said, Pete, having watched several of your videos, we feel like we know you. We feel like we can trust you. Will you work with us? And I just went, wow, what's wow. amazing? Completely out of the blue. They felt like they know me, but they don't know me. I could have been the worst ripoff agent in the world, but I put on, I put myself online and the videos make it very easy to pick up body language and things like that. They said they felt like they could trust me. They had no idea whether they could trust me or not. And yet they had a sense that they could and they trusted that sense. Uh, the, the sense hadn't let them down previously, which is why they'd avoided being ripped off. And they trusted their sense. They're some of my favorite clients to this day. We've made all kinds of things possible for them. Uh, you know, they, <laughs> they now email me from the latest cruise that they're on and saying, uh, well, they'll send me a picture of like a new watch that he's bought, uh, you know, saying this is my latest Pete purchase because I basically gave them the permission to spend their own money, which they'd never had before. That's what it's for, right? So, I, you know, they've become some of my favorite clients and it all came from that one email where they just approached me and said, look, we've seen what you're doing on, online. We think we like you. Will you work with us? And what uh, a pivotal moment that was for me because that opened a bit of a floodgate. And uh, now, you know, I'm, I get <laughs> inquiries all the time from people wanting to work with me, which is wonderful blessing and has uh, secured the future of my business, I think. So, you know, it can work for you too. It really is about helping others, putting yourself out there, and uh, not holding anything back, but really being generous with your knowledge and your spirit. And uh, it'll come back to you in space. You know, it's kind of uh, reminding me the biblical principle about seed, time, harvest, right? Yep, for sure. And a lot of times that we, we wonder why we don't have harvest. So either we haven't sown enough seeds out there, or mm -hmm. we forgot in between that's called time. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. So, wow, what a wonderful story. Pete. It's a great story. I never get tired of telling it. And, you know, it, it's been repeated many, many times now. Uh, it wasn't a flash in the pan or a one-off event. It's very much uh, become a pattern. 
and uh, I'm very grateful to God for that and uh, grateful to those clients who remain clients to these day to this day and all the rest which have come along since it's uh, it's a great time to be alive yeah exactly well we're gonna put all the goodies in the show notes so you guys have to check that out and um, and Pete it's such an honor to have you on the show and to talk to us about this you know, very important, but sometimes not so sexy topic that we want to touch about, but it's <laughs> so essential. <laughs> it is. Kelly, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you and to your audience. So uh, folks, get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. I trust you have enjoyed the episode as much as I did. For all the information we mentioned during the show, please visit kellybother.com forward slash 015. Thank you so much for listening to the show. We know you have given us your most valuable treasure, your time, and we don't take it lightly. We truly appreciate it. If you enjoy the show, please share and subscribe. Give us your honest reviews on iTunes. So, you know, my teams and I feel encouraged and continuously produce the valuable content for you. Don't forget for all the goodies we mentioned on the show, please check out kellybother.com. Remember, you matter. See you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Godly MBA podcast. For more actionable marketing tips and strategies and today's show notes, visit www.kellybotter.com.